Listener Production. In this episode of The Briefing, who is Sam Altman? Sam Altman is out as CEO of OpenAI. Nearly 500 employees at OpenAI have signed a letter saying they will quit unless the board resign. Altman, along with Brockman, Craig Brockman, the former president at OpenAI, joining Microsoft. The recently ousted CEO, Sam Altman, will now return. In this episode, we'll unpack what all this crazy drama from the last two weeks means for the future of artificial intelligence and for humanity. This is probably the most interesting tech story in the world since Elon Musk bought Twitter. But this story is way more important. That is our briefing. First, here are today's big headlines. Hey guys, Katrina Blowers here. It is Tuesday the 28th of November. Some great news. The Israel-Hamas truce will be extended by two days under the same conditions that were in place with the previous truce. We understand the deal has been brokered by Qatar, a Qatari foreign ministry spokesperson announcing the agreement overnight, Tom. Yeah, so three Palestinian prisoners will be released for every one hostage. Uh, So that's the same ratio under the previous truce, the four-day truce. Um, The fourth exchange as part of that original truce is expected today, and then we'll be expecting more from then as the days go on. So far, there's 39 Israeli hostages have been freed and 117 Palestinians. And the other element of this deal, Katrina, is allowing aid uh, into Gaza. The White House is saying 200 trucks have got across in the last 24 hours, making that a total of 2,000 aid trucks over the last six days. Yeah, uh, that's obviously a huge part of this. And, um, you know, Hamas had been reported to be seeking a four-day extension while Israel wanted day-by-day extensions. So I guess we're all crossing our fingers, hoping that this means that more hostages will be released. Really interesting response from the White House this morning on that issue. The US national security spokesperson saying that it's likely Hamas doesn't hold each and every hostage. He says that there are probably other groups holding hostages as well and the conditions could be different and also they could be scattered in lots of different locations. Um, the White House has even given an estimate that at least 40 women and children are being detained in Gaza that are not being held by Hamas. And the health minister will announce some big changes to vape laws today. So Australia will ban disposable single-use vape imports from January. And then more changes will come in in March to ban people importing their own vape products and on the importation of all non-therapeutic vapes. So medical practitioners will still be able to prescribe vapes and patients will be able to fill their scripts at pharmacies. So... These are big, strong changes. It'll involve um, some big spending, $25 million at Border Force and $57 million, um, for the TGA over the next two years. Geez, it'd be good to get some clarity in that space at last, wouldn't it? Um, I think that's what a lot of people have been looking for because the laws have been so kind of so many grey areas that it's been really easy for, you know, for vaping to continue to proliferate. Um, over in New Zealand, really interesting development there that's causing a huge amount of controversy. So we've brought you a briefing topic on this before about world first uh, anti-smoking laws. Um, so New Zealand was going to be the first place in the whole world that would have banned cigarette sales next year to anyone 
born after 2008. That means that someone who's 14 and under will never legally be allowed to smoke. Well, they've overturned that because um, they needed the revenue to fund tax cuts. Initially, they were going to fund these tax cuts by letting foreign buyers back into the property market, but that was voted down. So they've been quite open that they, they need to get the money from elsewhere and they're reversing this policy so that they can fund the tax cuts this way. And public health officials are, are really up in arms about this. They're saying it will cost thousands of lives, but be particularly harmful for Maori communities where smoking rates are quite high. Yeah, well, they've got a new government in New Zealand. Labor's out. Um, Jacinda Ardern, she left, then Chris Hipkins took over. And it took a while for the result of the election to really land the makeup of the parliament, but they're no longer in power. So I wonder if that's affecting this decision and many others to come. Bruce Lemon has admitted in court to asking for cocaine on the night Brittany Higgins went public with her allegation of rape on the project. This all happened on the fourth day of proceedings under cross-examination. In his defamation trial, he brought against the 10 Network and Lisa Wilkinson. Lemon telling the court he had spiralled, quote-unquote, that night in February 2021. Uh, also, text messages to the court from that night revealed he texted a friend saying, quote, need bags, got any gear, and let's get lit. Yeah, it's been a very um, interesting few days of cross-examination of Bruce Learman in court. Of course, he's always denied the allegations of raping Brittany Higgins and pled not guilty in the criminal trial, which was aborted with no findings against him. All right, that is it for the headlines. About to go really deep into the incredibly fascinating Sam Altman story. So we followed the main developments of the Sam Altman OpenAI story in our headlines last week, but now that some of the dust has settled, we're going deeper because this really is an interesting story. Now to catch you up or to remind you of some of the key elements, OpenAI is the organization that built ChatGPT. Its CEO and co-founder, Sam Altman, is a 38-year-old American, and he was sacked by his board Friday week ago, the 17th of November. Then the news came out that he had an alternative job at Microsoft. Then there was a public letter where the vast majority of the 700-plus staff said they'd leave OpenAI unless Sam Altman was reinstated. Then by last Tuesday, four days after the sacking, he was back in the job and the board was changed dramatically. So let's find out what all this means with Toby Walsh. He's an AI professor from the Uni of New South Wales. And we had him on the briefing recently about his book on AI called Faking It. Toby, can you start by telling us more about Sam Altman? Who is he? Sam Altman is the Silicon Valley's wonder kid. He's the CEO of this company, OpenAI. OpenAI is the company behind ChatGPT and Dale, the company perhaps more than any that's responsible for artificial intelligence seeming to turn up into our lives. Uh, he's um, a, of course, he's a Stanford um, University dropout. He was previously the president of Y Combinator. Y Combinator 
is the um, startup accelerator in Silicon Valley, the the one that's famous for bringing us companies such as Airbnb. When Elon Musk looked to start up OpenAI about five years ago, he was one of the founders. Everyone thinks he's absolutely remarkable at starting companies. He, he has got um, remarkable skill set, very good strategic and emotional intelligence um, to get things going. Um, and he's been doing that quite successfully at OpenAI. I guess it's really good to explore this because a lot of people really hadn't heard of him until he was fired, ironically, for those of us sort of following this at, at a more sort of everyday level as opposed to experts. So given where he sat in the company, he was at the top, but the skills he brought, what was the real reason that he got fired? Because the line that sort of cut through in the media reporting was that he hadn't been fully transparent with the board, but that in itself isn't all that transparent. So what do you think the real reason he got fired was? Well, as you indicate, there's not a huge great transparency in why he was fired. It came out of the blue. Uh, there's the shock announcement that, that surprised everyone. I'm sure it surprised him, um, but it surprised the rest of the world um, and got us all talking <laughs> and thinking as to why it would be. Because, I mean, he is his profile has been soaring. He is the guy who took a world tour where he met presidents and prime ministers around the world. Um, including our Prime Minister here in Australia, he has been very much become the face of this AI revolution that's been um, happening over the last six months. Um, so it is quite a surprise. But what was clear as, as the events unfolded is that he is not only very charismatic, but also um, people really have um, his, in, indeed a, a huge amount of loyalty. Over 90% of the staff of OpenAI threatened to um, resign and move to Microsoft if he wasn't um, restored as CEO. That's remarkable um, in a, a place like Silicon Valley. Microsoft's role was very interesting. Um, for those of us sort of basic people playing along at home, it was like, oh, he's been offered a job at Microsoft, but then you dug deeper and you found out that um, Microsoft was a huge investor in AI, around 13 billion US dollars. Um, and also, as it unfolded, you realize that this staff letter signed by um, over 500 staff members, you know, as you say, the vast majority of the roughly over 750 staff members, not only were calling for him to be reinstated, but they were essentially threatening to join him in a new department at Microsoft. So tell us about that, the mutiny that almost happened there and the role of Microsoft as a player in this whole story? Microsoft really does play a very central role. And indeed, um, to, to answer perhaps better your previous question, one suspects that in some sense they are partly the cause of this problem. The cause goes back to the fact that to develop artificial intelligence, well, to develop artificial general intelligence, which is the, the goal of the company OpenAI, it's a very strange beast. It was it was set up by Elon Musk because he wanted to ensure there was competition between the big tech companies, companies like Google and Microsoft. AGI, artificial general intelligence, AI that's as smart as a human, was developed for humanity's benefit and it wasn't captured by these big tech giants. Um, and so he needed to, he felt he should set up a, a, a rival company to do that. Just one other detail to add there, it, it was actually set up as a charity to balance out the power that Google was building in this space, right? 
Exactly. I mean, the two important characteristics of OpenAI when it was set up was that it was going to be a not-for-profit, charitable organization, as you say. The second, it was going to be open. It was going to be done in a transparent way, so shared with humanity. Mm. Um, That proved to be impossible in the sense that um, you were going to require vast sums of money, billions of dollars, to, to train these large AI models. Um, and so Sam Altman um, went to the marketplace and f- raised large sums of money, in particular started a partnership with uh, Microsoft, who put in uh, the first knockings, a billion dollars, and now over another $10 billion into supporting um, OpenAI's endeavors. They own, we believe, something around 49% stake now in the company. So OpenAI has this rather unusual dual structure where you have a a for-profit company, uh, which is controlled by a not-for-profit board. And even the for-profit has got rather a strange structure. It has this capped profit. Uh, the you, investors can only get 100 times their original return. So, so Microsoft can only get 100 times their original 10 billion investment. So they can only get a trillion dollars. Well, But one suspects that was probably the thing that precipitated this all, that once OpenAI had started taking in these billions of dollars, serious money, that it had cast the die, that the tensions that we saw expressed by the sacking uh, and then rehiring of Sam Altman go back to this, this tension between is it a for-profit company that's racing to develop AI uh, against um, Google and and, and the other tech giants, or is it a not-for-profit that's trying to do this slowly and carefully uh, for the benefit of all of humanity? From what one can tell, it was these tensions that drove the board to decide that they had to sack Sam, and that proved to be unsustainable, and his back, and it seems, at least from where we are today, now that the dust has somewhat settled, that for-profit has won, that capitalism has won, that OpenAI is now a company that is not um, not open in any way and is not doing it in a not-for-profit way, is going at it hell for leather like the rest of the tech industry in Silicon Valley. Wow, okay, all of that is so interesting to know that it had that dual structure and that they are indeed the tensions that have led to this recent round of conflict. I'm sure there's been many along the way, but arguably that ship sailed when they took more than $10 million from a player like Microsoft. Indeed. Um, Strangely, perversely in some respects, uh, Microsoft, despite owning 49% of the company, despite having invested over $10 billion in it, um, didn't have a seat on the board. The board very carefully had this independent structure that was designed to protect the interests of OpenAI's original goals of doing this for the benefit of humanity and doing it as as a not-for-profit. But nevertheless, as things have played out, that proved not to be adequate. The the board now has been reorganized and uh, some independent parts of it have been removed. Yeah, so let's talk about that. For Sam Altman to be brought back in, that meant other people had to go, including some of the board members. So... How many people sit on that board and how many of them that were there two weeks ago are now gone and how does that change the makeup of backgrounds and skills on that board? So Sam seems to have made a condition of his return, an unsurprising condition of his return, um, that the board be reorganized and various members of the board 
including in particular the, the independent member of the board, that he seemed to have fallen out with quite significantly, interestingly enough, an Australian, Hella Tova, um, who is an academic um, from Georgetown University. He insisted that uh, she have to go, along with uh, the other, another member of the board, uh, both of whom are what are called effective altruists. They're people who, who worry about the long-term existential risk that AI might or might not pose to humanity. One of the things that, um, was, that OpenAI was set up to, to worry about, they've gone and been replaced now um, by Larry Summers, the um, ex-US uh, treasurer, uh, and one other, uh, the uh, ex-CTO of Twitter, and so it seems to be, I mean, people who are, who are very much of the capitalist tradition who are going to be um, supporting Sam Altman's ambitions of you know, raising capital. We've heard stories that he was actually talking to investors in the Middle East to, to build um, AI chips, to build some AI hardware, to really turn it into a very commercial um, operation. Wow. So if you're in that camp where you're worried, this is a bad outcome. Uh, broadly speaking, yes. <laughs> On the surface level, it seems a very bad outcome. Um, if you want to think that the glass is half full, the fact that it's played out so badly for AI safety, for doing things in a considered way, might be the tipping point that persuades uh, politicians, persuades them that you know we can't leave Silicon Valley to regulate itself. It's, it, the, despite the fact that they put a lot of effort into setting up this independent, not-for-profit organization to try and do it in a responsible way, that completely failed. It lasted a weekend. Um, so if it can't last a weekend, how can it last for for, for many years? And how can it how can it defend <laughs> us against you know, much much more powerful, much more intelligent forces that AGI might be? So that might be the thing that persuades um, politicians that uh, well, we've got to actually have to regulate this quite seriously because we can't leave Silicon Valley to do it itself. That was Toby Walsh, and his book on AI is called Faking It. And so important there to understand how OpenAI began, because then you can understand that these events strongly suggest that OpenAI's earlier, more altruistic, not-for-profit days are pretty much over, and the dollars from big tech are now a much more powerful driving force. But arguably, that transition really happened when these big corporate investors like Microsoft first started piling their money in. Anyway, the story you've just heard almost certainly will be made into a very good movie. Aaron Sorkin will have to write it, I think, given he nailed the social network so well. Uh, will there be a role for Justin Timberlake? Mm, don't know. Listener. 